0: This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention.
1: Hello, I'm Sarah Gregory, and today I'm talking with Dr. Antonio Fonichari, a postdoctoral fellow in history of medicine and paleopathology at the University of Pisa in Italy. We'll be discussing a case of syphilis and a royal woman in 16th century Florence. Welcome, Dr. Fonatari.
0: Welcome. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me.
1: So, what is syphilis?
0: Syphilis is an infectious disease, sexually transmitted, caused by the bacterium Treponema pallidum. Uh, Syphilis is a very important disease also for the history of the past. Uh, Syphilis had uh, four stages, primary, secondary, latent, and tertiary. The signs and symptoms of syphilis vary depending on which of the four stages it presents. The primary stage classically appears with a single chancre, a painless, uh, firm, and only skin ulceration, usually between one centimeter and two centimeters in diameter. Uh, uh, also, if uh, there may be multiple source cancers. Chance appears at the site of infection on external genitals or in the rectum, but can also uh, occur on the lips and uh, in the mouth. In secondary syphilis, approximately 4 to 10 weeks after the primary infection, a diffuse rash occurs, which frequently involves the trunk and extremities. Uh, all these lesions harbor uh, bacteria and are infectious. There are many also uh, disorders in the mouth uh, or vagina. Uh, the acute uh, symptoms usually resolve after three or to six weeks. In latent syphilis, which can last for years, there are few or no symptoms. Uh, it uh, develops uh, after secondary syphilis. And the last phase of syphilis can last many years, after which, uh, without treatment, approximately 15 to 40% of people can develop tertiary syphilis. We, without the treatment, a third of infected people develop tertiary, tertiary disease. Uh, people with tertiary syphilis are not infectious. Uh, This this is the stage of disease, uh, more frequented, uh, diagnosed by the paleopathologists in ancient human bones, because the bones are affected by typical lesion on cranium and on the long bones. Uh, Another form of syphilis is the congenital syphilis. Congenital syphilis, uh, that which is transmitted uh, during pregnancy or during birth uh, with uh, you risk uh, if contracted of poor pregnancy outcome with deformities or still or death in newborns. Uh, some typical dental defects in juvenile individuals help paleopathologists in the diagnosis of congenital syphilis on skeletal remains. Syphilis also. Uh, as being now uh, as the great imitator or the great pretender, as it may cause uh, symptoms similar to many other diseases. However, syphilis typically follows a progression of stages that can last for weeks, months, or even years.
1: Okay, um, so you mentioned um, sexually transmitted and congenital, um, but what specifically are the ways a person usually gets syphilis?
0: Yes, uh, people uh, catch uh, the disease through uh, sexual direct intramucous contact by vaginal, anal, or oral sex with an individual with the disease. Uh, syphilis is passed from person to person through direct contact with a syphilitic chancre. Another possibility is the so-called congenital syphilis, A Pregnant woman with the disease can transmit it through the placenta, to the fetus, or at least to the neonate.
1: Do we know how long people have been getting syphilis?
0: Yes, uh, venereal syphilis first emerged in Europe at the end of the 15th century. Really, the origin of the disease is one of the greatest issues in the history of medicine and in paleopathology. There are many different theories about the origin of syphilis. Uh, the first is the Colombian theory. Colombian theory holds that syphilis uh, was endemic in Americas and was transmitted to silos of Columbus by the native population of the Hispaniola island. Spanish Island actually is Haiti, San Domingo, in the Caribbean area. And the, disease, the disease arrived in Europe with the return of Columbus with uh, his crews of silos from the Americas in, in, uh, already in 1493. But uh, other scholars hold that syphilis was already present in Europe before the Colombian expedition. Uh, but they hold that in written ancient texts and by ancient physicians the disease was confused uh, with other conditions, like leprosy, for, for instance. There are also another theory, uh, so-called uh, unitarian hypothesis, that uh, syphilis is a single organism, uh, that is treponema, causes different clinical manifestation. Uh, depending upon climatic, social, and demographic factors, producing the clinical manifestation named uh, Pinta, Yose, Bejel, and Syphilis. Uh, for this theory, uh, the pathogen spread out of Africa with humans prior to the 15th century. As you can see, the debate is very complex, and uh, at the moment, uh, there are archaeological finds human remains with typical lesion of syphilis and seponematosis don't help find a definitive solution. Anyway, in Europe, the sexual and social behavior of the end of the 15th century was particularly favorable to the spread of the disease. In 1495, in Italy, we have the first spread and description of the disease. And in 1496, it was already widespread throughout the entire Italian peninsula.
1: Is it very contagious? You mentioned one form that was not, but um, generally, is it very contagious?
0: Yes, yes, uh, it's very contagious. And uh, sexual transmission and, and should a good transmission lane. Um, Studies have shown the attack rate of syphilis within 30 days of sexual exposure to someone with syphilis is about 16% to 30%. Syphilis can also be transmitted congenitally when treponema traverses the placenta of an infected woman and infects the fetus. And syphilis can be transmitted through transposed blood. While blood-borne transmission risk is nearly non-existent in high-income countries, it persists in low- and middle-income countries. Uh, In in pregnant women, uh, an syphilis, if acquired during the four years before delivery, can lead to the infection of the fetus in up to 80% of cases and may result in stillbirth or infant death in up to 40% of cases.
1: Are there treatments?
0: Yes, syphilis can be cured with the right antibiotics. But it is important that therapy begins at the early stages of the disease because uh, syphilis is easy to cure in in its uh, early stages. Uh, The right antibiotic is banned in penicillin G administered uh, intramuscularly for persons with primary, secondary or latent syphilis. Uh, The same antibiotic is used and recommended by CDC for pregnant women. Uh, Antibiotics will kill the syphilis bacterium and prevent further damage, damage, but uh, it will not repair damage already done. of course, patients who receive syphilis treatment must abstain from sexual contact with new partners until the syphilis sores are completely healed.
1: If so many people were getting it before there were antibiotics, why did it kill off the human population?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> when syphilis appeared in Europe in the late 15th century, the disease killed many people. And it is difficult to have an estimation of the death, but they were certainly hundreds of thousands. And during the modern age, syphilis was an endemic disease in Europe and then very serious. Until the advent of penicillin uh, in uh, 1943, uh, it constituted a major health problem. But certainly after the first pandemic phase, uh, after after the Third decade of the 16th century, it seemed that its virulence and probably also its lethality have decreased. Uh, the disease came into balance with the host, and this also represented an advantage for the pathogen. Uh, furthermore, uh, being a sexually transmitted disease, not all humanity was subject to contracting the disease, because some categories of individuals having no sexual relation uh, avoid contagion and others are more exposed for behavioral attitudes.
1: Syphilis seems to be reemerging as a worrisome disease. Tell us about that.
0: Yes, uh, syphilis is uh, emerging not only in developing countries but also in the Western world. In general, uh, in recent years, a uh, new increase uh, has occurred in the incidence of the sexually transmitted disease, among which syphilis occupies a prominent place. Uh, for example, in USA, in USA, in 2000-2001, uh, at 2000, the national rate of reported. Primary and secondary syphilis case was uh, the lowest rate since reporting beginning in 1941. However, syphilis rate has increased almost every year since 2001 until a rate of 10.8 cases uh, per 100,000 population in 2018. this increase was largely attributable uh, to the increase among men, and in particular among men who have sex with men. However, in the last five years, the rates have increased among both men and women, and the syphilis rate among women has, has almost tri- tripled. Uh, the increase in syphilis among women is of particular concern because uh, it is associated with a uh, striking and concurrent increase in congenital syphilis. Uh, Europe, Europe experienced a similar trend until 2017. In 2018, the increase seems to have halted. Anyway, syphilis continues to cause morbidity and mortality worldwide. While syphilis infection is easily identifiable and tractable, rates of syphilis infections continue to increase among select populations in high income country and remain at endemic level in low and middle income country. Uh, Each year, there are an estimated 6 million new cases of syphilis globally in persons aged uh, from 15 to 49 years. The strategy of uh, World Health Organization prioritizes the elimination of congenital syphilis by implementing syphilis screening and treatment among, uh, among pregnant uh, women. But syphilis continues to persist among men who have sex with men and other groups who tend to have multiple sex partners and legally return in heterox- heterosexual population without public health vigilance.
1: Um, So, besides uh, Western Europe and the United States, are there geographic locations where it's more endemic than others?
0: Yes. Uh, Syphilis is uh, widespread uh, all over the world, but of course, in low- and middle-income countries, syphilis has remained endemic. Uh, General population prevalence data on syphilis are most limited to high income countries. Uh, especially among low- and middle-income countries uh, currently available data uh, data likely underestimated through burden of syphilis uh, due to poor documentation and underreporting. Uh, most country representative data come from studies condu- conducted among women uh, at their first antenatal care visits uh, and reported by the World Health Organization. Countries in Latin America, Africa and South Asia are most affected, uh, while high income countries have, have concentrated epidemics of syphilis in specific selected populations, uh, for example men who have, who have sex with men, transgenders and sex workers, uh, and this is a big problem for worldwide.
1: Give us a brief rundown of syphilis in the 16th century. After the 1494
0: invasion of Italy by the army of Charles VIII, king of France, uh, venereal syphilis had a pandemic spread in Italy and Europe. Uh, the end of the 15th century and the first half of the 16th century is a very turbulent period for Italy. Italy was a battleground between French, Spanish, and Italian lords in general, including the Pope. And as we have seen, the origin of the disease is still uh, unclear. Uh, perhaps it was already present in Euros, perhaps arrived from the Americas, uh, imported by the crew of Columbus. But what is certain is that it spread in those years. Uh, The first written records of an outbreak of syphilis occurred in 1495 in Naples, Italy, during the siege of the city defended by French and besieged by the Spaniards. Since it was claimed to have been spread by French troops, it it was initially called the French disease by the people of Naples and Neapolitan disease by French. And, in short, nobody uh, liked having his name associated with the disease. Uh, In uh, 1530, the name Syphilis was first used by the Italian physician and poet uh, Girolamo Fracastoro as the title of his Latin poem describing the ravages of the disease in Italy titled uh, Syphilis, Sive Morbus Gallicus, in Latin, of course. Syphilis, uh, or the French disease, uh, the translation. Uh, the social-cultural context of this period can explain the, the spread of syphilis. In the Renaissance Italy, experienced an increase in the trade exchanges, new, co- new contact between populations, migration from other countries, and, above all, a time of greater sexual liberty. The prostitution among the troops and the civilians in the town, the extramarital sex created by the permanence of Hermes, generated a perfect basis for the spread of, this, of the disease. And the syphilis, for its sexual connotation, embodied the concept of divine ill punishment, and the early pandemic and violent phase of syphilis had an impressive impact on European society. Contemporary physicians quickly acknowledged that the infection had been transmitted through sexual intercourse. Uh, The first phase phase of the new disease was very aggressive, with ulceration followed by postules, and source all over the face and body with joint pain and pruritus. And after some years, the syphilis changes from an acute and debilitating disease into a less severe chronic infection with a classic, classical chronicization to three stage, stages, probably because the selection of the less virulent strain of the bacterium represented an evolutionary advantage for the pathogen. And then after the second, third decade of the 60th that century, it seemed that this virulence and probably also its lethality changed and decay. Also, if syphilis uh, throughout to the modern age uh, until the advent of penicillin constituted a major health problem.
1: Now, tell us about Maria Salviati. She was the... Um, person you um, spoke of in your historical review for EID. Who was she, what was discovered about her, and how was it discovered? Uh,
0: Maria Salviati was an important historical figure. Uh, She's granddaughter of Lorenzo de' Medici, named the Magnificent and nephew of the Pope uh, Leon X. She was born in Florence uh, in 1499 and in 1516, she married Giovanni de' Medici, named of the Black Bands. Giovanni belonged to a collateral branch of the Medici family, but was one of the most famous captains of mercenary troops of the time. Giovanni died of cancrine and septicemia in 1526 by complication resulting from an injury and uh, amputation of of, uh, his right leg after a battle, leaving his wife a widow at the age of 27. Uh, Maria never remarried. Uh, Cosimo, the son of Maria and Giovanni, was Duke of Florence from uh, 1537. Maria died in 1543, from the complication of tertiary syphilis, which we discovered with uh, our study on, of his uh, skeleton, uh, since no historical data of an ancient diagnosis of the disease w- was known. Uh, in 2012, we, we examined the skeletal remains of Maria. The bones were in excellent state of preservation. We examined the skeleton macroscopically and performed radiographic and computed tomography scan. Uh, the anthropological study of the skeleton revealed a female of 40-45 years of age with, uh, with a stature of 1.56 uh, meters. Uh, we detected many lytic lesions on the skull two-circular uh, depression, ectocranial depression, on the frontal bone, elliptical in shape, with a central dextrity focus and a reactive com- compact bone formation of the margins. Uh, furthermore, the cranial vault on the parietal bones show severe osteolytic lesions in the form of depressed areas with fine scar lines radiating inside the, the shallow depression. Uh, computer tomography examination confirms the, the lytic and the reparative nature of the lesions. And the presence of superficial circumvallated cavitation with radial scar is pathognomonic of cranial syphilis, technically called caries sicca, typical of tertiary syphilis.
1: Would you give us some historical context about the Medicis, including Maria?
0: Uh, Medici were an important family, one of the Florence's most powerful banking families, and one of the most important of the Italian Renaissance. Uh, bankers and politicians, patrons of the arts. For example, they were patrons of Botticelli and Michelangelo Bonarroti. Uh, and in the first half of the 16th century, from Medici were two popes, the X and Clement VII. Uh, The cousin of Maria, the Duke uh, of Florence, Alexandro de' Medici, was killed in 1537, and Maria used her family connection to get involved in the discussion to decide the next Duke of Florence. She played a a key role in getting her son, Cosimo, elected. Uh, Cosimo will then be able to unify the Wall of Tuscany under his control, and to be nominated Grand Duke by the Pope. Cosimo gave rise to the Grand Ducal Medici Medici branch, which ruled Tuscany until uh, 1737.
1: Tell us how you went about examining Maria's bones, what kind of tests were done on it and such.
0: Uh, I participated in the Medici project, uh, together with my colleagues from the paleopathology division of the University of Pisa. Uh, This uh, is an important paleopathological project, uh, started in 2004, uh, involving the study of the bodies of the Medici skeletal remains of all the Medici family, uh, preserved in the Medici chapels in Florence. Um, I initially participated as a, as an archaeologist, uh, specialized in funerary archaeology. Then, I also worked with colleagues on the paleopathological and historical medical study. Uh, the study of Maria Salviati and Giovanni of the Black Bands was sponsored by Italian Society of Orthopedics and Traumatology. Uh, the opening of the tombs of the Medici was a very delicate operation uh, due to the historical and artistic value of the context. The Medici Chapel are today one of the most important museums in, uh, in Florence. Uh, they host absolute masterpiece of art history, such as the funerary monuments of some of the Medici, sculpted by Michelangelo Bonarroti. And for the, studi- for the study, we set up... Uh, a temporary lab in the Medici Chapel, and we perform X-ray exams of the findings in in the Florentine Hospital of Santa Maria Nuova, always with the assistance of restorers and staff of the ministerial superintendents of Cultural Heritage of Florence.
1: Do you think she was actually diagnosed with syphilis at the time? You mentioned in your review that she may have been hiding it from her doctors. Why would she do that?
0: Uh, yes, in, in the last uh, in the last three years of her life, many symptoms of severe illness were described in letters sent by the court physician to Duke uh, Cosimo, inclu- including I a mean, that uh, recurring bleeding from the rectum, rectal and perianal ulcers, headaches, and abdominal colic. Today, by relating these symptoms to skeletal skeletal lesions, it is possible to make a diagnosis of tertiary syphilis with cranial and probably colorectal localization. Symptoms such as frequent fever and headache, abdominal colic, rectal and perianal ulcers, are very compatible with tertiary syphilis, but uh, were not attributed to syphilis by the physicians of the time. Also today, really, in clinical medicine, anal syphilis could be easily misdiagnosed as cancer or advanced stage hemorrhoids. Uh, one hypothesis uh, is that a contemporary physician might have correctly diagnosed and uh, recognized Maria Salviati's disease, but uh, concealed the sexual component of the infection. Another hypothesis that Maria Salviati, who never uh, allowed the physician to inspect her genitals, uh, we, we notice from the private documents of medical archive, might, may have hidden the symptoms uh, of her disease out of modesty. Uh, a further explanation, based on political reason, is that the mother of Duke Cosimo I called appears to be affected by venereal syphilis to avoid corrupting the image of the Medici family that the son Cosimo was trying to promote in, in these years among the royal rank. Uh, the fact that, that in her last years of life uh, Maria was always portrayed with a veil, might uh, indicate her intention to hide the syphilitic skin lesions. In her her final years, Maria had a very wide drop life, possible to conceal the signs of the illness, and certainly for the social complications caused by her recurrent anal hemorrhages. However, we have no reports that she was marginalized from the ducal court. Uh, instead, she was held in high regard as the mother of the reigning duke. Uh, in the famous portrait painted by Bronzino in the year of her death, she, she appears veiled and in widow's clothes, as if to hide the signs of illness.
1: Are there any ideas about how Maria contracted her syphilis? Is there much written about? Syphilis among noble women of that time, or any historical writings about syphilis and women during the 16th century? Uh,
0: it, it is difficult, of course, to speculate on how Maria Salviati contracted the disease, but uh, she's likely to have been infected by her husband Giovanni before his death in 1526, and more probably after the birth of her son Cosimo in 1519. Uh, uh, indeed, the historical sources do not reveal any detail about a possible infection of the child, nor uh, do the skeletal remains of the first uh, grand duke of Tuscany show any signs of congenital syphilis. Uh, the lifestyle of Giovanni, of the black band, was characterized by intense sexual extramarital affairs with lovers and with prostitutes as witnessed by many documents of the time preserved in the archivals of Florence. Uh, the skeleton of Giovanni de' Medici does not reveal any lesion of syphilis, because he died at the young age of 28 years, so before the development of the tertiary stage of the disease. Uh, syphilis affected many members of the aristocracy, many noblemen, and particularly captains of troops. Famous is the case of Cesare Borgia, the Duke Valentino, the son of the Pope Alessandro VI, uh, who had uh, to to wear a leather mask covering half of his face, uh, disfigured by syphilis. Uh, For noble women, we have much less historical information and documents. Noble women were at risk for contracting sexually transmitted disease caused by the lifestyle of the husband, and probably chiefly is likely to have been more widespread among the noble women of the Renaissance, than is attested by the, writing, the written sources. In some cases, uh, uh, paleopathology revealed some hidden illness of the Italian noble women, as in the case of Maria of Aragon. Marquis of Vasto and wife of Alfonso Avalos. In the artificial mummy of Maria of Aragon, the histologic, immunohistochemical, and ultrastructural study of acutaneous ulcer of the left arm led to the direct identification of treponema pallidum and the diagnosis of tertiary, tertiary vener, venereal syphilis. The biographic sources report that Maria Farang peri- periodically spent time at the Agnano Baths near Naples, probably to treat a skin disease with the sulfuric waters. However, in the written right, sources, there is no mention of any possible syphilitic, syphilitic infection affecting the, the noble wo- woman, who was famous at the time for her beauty and cultural refinement. Uh, syphilis, uh, that was not a reason of particular shame for men, as sovereigns, princes and gentlemen, was instead jealousy concealed by noble women as a second illness that often did not seep outside the private apartments. Uh, this attitude reveals a disparity of perception and of mentality, symptomatic of gender discrimination in the Renaissance society.
1: Is catching syphilis preventable?
0: Yes. uh, The risk of uh, sexual transmission of syphilis uh, can be reduced by using uh, a latex or polyurethane condom. But also condom does not completely eliminate the risk. Uh, The abstinence from sexual contact with uh, an infected person is the best prevention. Uh, Also in the Italian Renaissance, uh, because was already well-known fact, fact at the time that syphilis was transmitted sexually, noble women with syphilit- syphilitic partners refused to have, to have sexual intercourse with their husband. At that time, uh, these were, of course, a prerogative of el- elite married women who called exercise high self-care and power of choice. Um, Another, another uh, problem is uh, with the congenital syphilis, mm, congenital syphilis uh, in the newborn can be prevented by screening mothers during early pregnancy and uh, tra- treating those uh, who are infected.
1: How do you think this historical review impacts current public health? Are there any guidelines or practices we should learn from it?
0: Uh, paleopathology offers a source for increasing the diagnosis of infection in the past and for understanding the social and cultural impact of infectious disease in ancient population. Theoretically, the models obtained can be compared with what happens today with emerging and re-emerging disease that can help to refine the systems of prevention and fight against future infection outbreaks. But uh, I don't know if this paleopathological and historical study in particular could have a positive impact on current public health. Unfortunately, history is often not a teacher for people. But uh, in my opinion, this study can provide an important lesson about the sorts of contagious inside the family and about the gender differences in the perception of the disease and about the gender discrimination. Uh, in many, in many uh, countries, social control of males on women and cultural barriers probably do not allow to diagnose early and prevent sexual transmitting disease, uh, a big problem in the early treatment, for example, of congenital syphilis.
1: You work in the field of paleopathology. That sounds exciting extremely interesting to me. Tell us what it is and what you do. Um,
0: Paleopathology is the the study of ancient disease uh, directly through the human remains of the past, skeletons and mummies. Uh, It is a medical and historical discipline at the same time, uh, intrinsically multidisciplinary. Uh, For paleopathology, human remains are biological archives to be read by applying all the most modern biomedical science technologies. But to be able to recover the finds, dig up them in an archaeological or historical site, then to, to, to contextualize them, you need refined archaeological and historical skills. Um, The ability to bring man's path closer makes it, in my opinion, a discipline extremely fascinating and exciting field of study. Uh, A paleopathological team is uh, therefore composed of severe specialists, archaeologists, physical anthropologists, historians, and, of course, pathologists and also other medical specialties such as uh, radiology, paleogenetics, or molecular research. Uh, I am in particular an archaeologist with strong interest in osteoarchaeology and in the history of medicine of the Middle Ages and of the Renaissance.
1: I wonder about this a lot, and I'm sure other people do. Also, is it possible to um, catch a disease from a old remains like plague from the 1600s or something if a body was dug up that had
0: Yes, it's possible also if uh, plague is an example of a pathogen that uh, don't uh, uh, hit uh, directly the bones. But uh, it's possible to detect uh, ancient pathogen uh, uh, as for example a pestis, uh, that is the bacterium no? That uh, caused the the plague, by the paleogenetics uh, research on ancient DNA. Uh, Many scholars, many paleogenetics uh, can uh, uh, obtain uh, directly from the bones, from the teeth, the DNA of the pathogen, because the DNA of the pathogen is preserved inside, for example, the pulp of the, inside the teeth. Where uh, the teeth uh, are more uh, uh, linked to 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 circulation of blood.
1: But can you get the disease from old bones? Not not diagnose it, but actually get it, like get plague.
0: Uh, like uh, like plague from the old bone. Yes, it's possible. It depends from the also for for the from the preservation state of the bones uh, because uh, uh, ancient pathogen are very uh, uh, delicate, uh, not so easy to find a good preservation state of ancient pathogen, but it's possible.
1: Well, that must be slightly worrisome when you're digging up bones. Um, wh- what do you enjoy most about your work?
0: Uh, but probably the direct contact with the remains of the past, uh, the, the the ability to interrogate them and get answers is is extremely fascinating for me. Uh, it is a way to touch history. Uh, the data of the paleopathological study open new perspective of knowledge, uh, it is a real privilege for me. Which I thank my professor, and my colleagues, and companion of uh, paleopathological adventures.
1: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today, Dr. Fornachari.
0: Thank you to you. Thank you for having me.
1: And thanks for joining me out there. You can read the June 2020 Historical Review Syphilis and Maria Salviati, 1499 to 1543, wife of Giovanni de medici of the black bands online at cdc.gov slash eid i'm sarah gregory for emerging infectious diseases for the most accurate health information visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO